Uh, we have a guest standing by right now, and uh, if you're just tuning in, we this is Get the Funk Out. And we're going to talk with Lisa Braver-Moss right now about her book, Shrug. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Janine. Uh, congratulations on your book. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you very much for, uh, for having me on the show. My pleasure. So you are a survivor of childhood domestic violence. Um, what was it like writing, I'm assuming, you know, cathartic, but what was it like deciding to finally put part of your backstory on paper? Well, I think cathartic is a good word for it. Um, I, I also hope it's more than that. Um, I think if, if books are kind of preachy or, or uh, if, if fiction books are kind of preachy, I think it's, not, it's sort of not conducive to uh, immersing oneself in the, in the land of fiction. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, was a very, um, it was a very wonderful experience and difficult at times, um, but I think the difficulties... Um, I, I was so driven to be precise and to and to really get it all down in the way that I wanted to to get it written. Um, that I think that overrode the the difficulties. That's great. Do you feel like um, I'm a writer as well? Oh yes. Do you feel like once you are able to put your backstory on paper, it's almost like you're able to close the chapter a little bit and move forward in a healthy way? I think so. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, yes. Yeah, I, that's what I got a sense. So give us, a, um, without giving too much away, a sense of what Shrug is about. Well, Shrug is, is a coming-of-age story that takes place in the 1960s in Berkeley, which was a hotbed of radicalism at that time, as, as you know. And, um, and it's a story of this girl growing up with domestic violence and other kinds of chaos in the home and how she manages to survive and... and um, and make sure she gets herself off to college. Um, that's the big challenge. So it's, it's a story of a, of a young woman who doesn't turn to drugs or alcohol or sexual experimentation, but rather really kind of has her nose to the grindstone academically and, um, and is, is kind of fighting the family culture in order to do that. How much of yourself did you put in this story? Well, I put a lot of myself in this story. Um, I fictionalized certain parts of the book, um, certain aspects of the book, um, as needed for the story flow. Um, but it's, it's, it's autobiographical, this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did it feel like when you were finally done? Well, <laughs> there's done and then there's done, as you know, as you know as an author. <laughs> um, one can be done and then there's, there's all kinds of other preparation that, that one needs to make to, yes. to actually bring it to publication. But, um, but yeah, this is very exciting, this whole process of, of getting it done and getting it out there and, and um, you know, beginning to get feedback on it is just very, very exciting. Uh, it's wonderful. Did you share with people close to you what you were working on? I, I, uh, my family knew what I was working on, um, yes, but I didn't share specifics. I, I didn't want to get, well, first of all, it's fiction, not a memoir. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to, um, to be tied to um, actual events necessarily um, unless they served the purpose of the narrative and, and brought the story along. Um, and I felt strongly that I needed to have my own voice in this and, um, and not over-discuss what, what I was working on. Yeah. 
I feel like once we open up what we're working on, we can get swayed and and then we change direction based on someone else's opinion. Right, right. It's, it's easy to get derailed, especially when writing fiction. It's, it's really, yeah. really not not a uh, not a great uh, not a great thing to do. Yeah. Do you think a lot of survivors of childhood domestic violence blame themselves? Oh, I think that's a tremendous problem, and and I think we've had um, we've had a lot of wonderful consciousness raising about um, domestic violence survivors who are in in those relationships and not as much attention to the to the children of uh, you know the, the the children that go through this um, who are actually I did a little research there's about 15 million um, children currently uh, living in families in which domestic violence has occurred and the, and 40 million adults who were these children so it's really a tremendous you know it's a, it's a it's a wide widespread problem and um, yeah I think I think bringing attention to this is, is very important in terms of self-blame because um, I, I, think, I think children growing up in that situation don't want to recognize their own powerlessness over the situation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's painful. And having the illusion that, oh, well, I could, I could control this if I just did better in school or I could control this if I just talked more convincingly to whichever parent. Um, is, is part of that pattern, I think. And then some children like Martha in the book Shrug, my book Shrug, um, actually have the illusion that they're, they're rescuers. Mm-hmm. And so it, whether, whether one blames oneself, as a rescuer, one can blame oneself for not rescuing, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, so I think that's a tremendously, I think it's tremendously painful to recognize the ways in which we, you know, we can't change things as a child. Right. You know, it's interesting. I was looking at the topics that uh, you would discuss. um, And one thing that really struck me, which was very relatable, is how a difficult home situation and a turbulent time and place can affect reading and learning. And I know I was a really terrible student when I was younger. My mom was a single parent. my, My mom was single. We were living in New York. And uh, I never read a thing, and I was a terrible student, and it was a, it was a very tumultuous time, and it wasn't until I was about 15 or 16 I finally started, I would say 16, buckling down, but now I understand. Yes, yes. I think that especially in the case where children are hypervigilant or feel that they need to be hypervigilant, mm-hmm. um, it's very difficult to concentrate. And, um, you know, there's other factors, too, like um, childhood uh, domestic violence, uh, yeah. ch- children living in that situation are more likely um, to be subject to child abuse themselves, of course. Right. So there's all kinds of distractions and, and complex uh, feelings that these children are dealing with. And, yeah, it makes it tremendously difficult to concentrate. Or, you know, as in the case of Martha in Shrug, um, she, she does really focus on school, and yet she, she, has, she has trouble understanding basic things. Um, so she sort of manages. She manages to to do okay, mm-hmm. but um, but it's it's very difficult to have the bandwidth. I think for anything other than vigilance about the about the traumatic situation that's going on. It's almost like um, you know when you have all this stuff going on, you're just so you're impacted in so many ways. You just can't concentrate. And and some yeah. people can be great academic, but emotionally they can be scarred. 
That's right. That's right. I think that's really an important point because often people will say, oh, you know, you turned out so well, you did well academically, and you, you know, instead of turning to drugs and alcohol, I'm so impressed that you focused on academics. Well, you know, that's sure, that's, that's a wonderful thing, but I think even those children who are um, focusing on school while dealing with this chaos at home, there's, there's other kinds of scarring that are going on. There's, there's emotional difficulties. There's, as we were just talking about, the self-blame. Mm-hmm. There's feelings of isolation. There's feelings of shame. Um, and so it doesn't mean that there's nothing... Um, it, it also doesn't mean that there's nothing self-destructive going on. I mean, right. these, these children can be self-destructive in their own invisible ways, and we see this now with self-harming and, and, and eating disorders and so on that, that can that can really affect these children. Do you have advice for, uh, this might be a tough question, for parents that, are, that have kids that are going through some challenging times? You mean um, parents, parents in difficult relationships and... and well, parents who are uh, having challenging times with their teenagers, communicating with them. Oh, yeah, it's so tough. I think, I, I think listening is so important and just it, listening, 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 and... and um, you know, trying to be that person that can that can actually um, contain a teenager, I think, is really important. I think teenagers tend to feel that they're they're out on their own, and that, that the adults around them can't understand what's going on. And in some ways, that's true. Um, but I think if we can be really good listeners, even even a toddler will tell us very interesting things if we can listen carefully. Yeah. I think there's also listening and also paying attention to the nonverbal cues. Oh, that's very true. Well, yes, yes. I mean, we, this is this is very much in the news too, right? With 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 everything. Vi- violent children. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know. I I was um, talking to someone about this. That I read an article. Somebody was saying we need to start paying attention to the the people that are on the outskirts of the social groups that don't quite fit mm. in, and. Instead of turning the other way and saying, oh, they're weird, or, you know, right. ignoring them, trying to be in tune and, and pay attention, because those are the people that sometimes become even more troubled. That's right. That's right. And sometimes they're the people that, with a, with a decent mentor or, you know, an, an adult who actually cares about what's going on with them, it can really, it can make a huge impact that somebody's paying attention. Right. So where can people find out more about you, Lisa? Well, I have a website, that's lisabravermoss.com, and um, there's information about Shrug, um, my, my new novel, on that website, and there's, you can also order it on uh, Amazon, and to support your local independent bookstore, you can go to indiebound.com and order it. Um, but, um, yeah, I have, I have a website with all kinds of information on there, and, and I love to hear from people, so... Um, readers and, 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 and so on. So feel free to email me. Fantastic. And any last bit of info you'd like to leave the listeners with? Well, I, I hope that my book will, I, I hope that Shrug will make people feel less alone about weathering some of this difficult childhood stuff, even as an adult, and, um, and that it, it'll, it'll counter that sense of isolation and shame that many people have if they've grown up in this difficult kind of situation. Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Congratulations on your book. It's oh, a very thank you so much, Janine. It's a very important topic. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it.
My pleasure. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. That was Lisa Braver-Moss uh, talking about her book, Shrug, a novel. If you missed any part of this, all the info is on my show blog. And within an hour after I wrap, I'll have the recording on there as well. And here's the blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And I am on Twitter at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. And KUCI is on Twitter at KUCI-FM. We're on Instagram at KUCI-FM. We're on Facebook at KUCI-889. Tumblr, blog.kuci.org. And if you're not familiar with our programs, all our um, public affair and music shows are on KUCI.org. We're going to take a little break, and then I have one more guest calling in. We're going to talk about the film From Core to Sun. Let's listen to a song by Anushka Shankar. This is Traces of You with Nora Jones, her sister. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. <laughs> 